0: Hi, I'm Afton and I'm Anna and this is Grit, a podcast on the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raising this
1: mm Mhm. So let's get gritty.
0: <laughs> We're back. This is like grade A for us, two interviews in a row. We've, we've really come into the light. I mean. We've closed our nine month gap between our episodes as as <laughs> is typical of us. And we're really overachieving.
2: <laughs> overachieving under delivering. I think that was our motto from the beginning.
0: <laughs> um, I think we're all maybe a little depressed. Maybe this is just me projecting. No, I don't think it is. It's dragging on a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just been,
2: yeah, it's, it's, the pandemic is not going away anytime soon. And I, um, yeah, I, Anna and I are here for all of you. We are, we are working through our depression and our, our sadness about, about life. On that happy note,
0: uh, Anna, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> what, what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've been with my family. We've had some, some, uh, illness in my family so I have been spending time with them and you told me you were also going to postpone our wedding a second time (laughs) 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 and for those of y'all who know Alex and I are coming up on our six-year anniversary (laughs) we've been engaged for a while not we so Started with Italy. This is all chronicled on the podcast, actually. It really is. Once you go yeah. back, it'll be. We had a beautiful engagement with a plan to get married in Italy. I had bought a dress for Lake Como, Cuomo, Cuomo. Yeah. not Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> wow, COVID
1: really taking us all there, Lake yeah, Como. I bought a dress. Cuomo's
0: have taken over COVID um time, but yeah, Lake Como was the original plan. Then it was Nashville. Then it was Nashville again, just a few months later, and now we are swiftly approaching that date and things are worse than they were when we rescheduled the first time so um we are making a alternate plan for that and that is just mm, it's rough. it it could be so much worse there are like way worse things that are happening but it's like so inconvenient and inconvenient is like the best word for it but I'm ready to be married like so ready to be married and it's I will have been engaged at 24 and married at 27 <laughs> yeah pretty rough um, I think the
2: the wedding industry right now is
0: oh I feel suffering. so like we were just talking about like everything that we have to do like Alex and I like we say oh my gosh I feel so bad for them
1: like so I feel you're just so a lot bad of empathy
0: for or... yeah like I feel nothing but bad for all the vendors that we're working with they're small business owners yeah. like I'm so worried about businesses that are gonna close like before weddings pick back up and like but I just can't we're caught between like wanting to make it happen and wanting to be married. And also, um, not wanting anyone to get very sick from our wedding, um, or to get the people that they love sick and standing up there in a pretty dress is not worth it. Um, we may find another way to like, you know, take that leap together before we have a big wedding, but that's one thing we've, we've wanted to do is to bring a bunch of people together and have like a raging party with a band and and well the wedding is gonna have to be
2: I mean no preference obviously I know you're you will make this decision based on what Mm -hmm. I have to say um but I did buy a pineapple purse so I don't (laughs) think a winter wedding would be appropriate
0: (laughs) yeah we're we're steering clear of the winter because I don't think things are going to be better by then not so in our we're, state we're looking at next year but. can you
2: believe the tale of two states between kentucky and tennessee <laughs> if you don't believe that your political affiliation dictates your health what better example do you have yeah than covid and a tale of two states kentucky and tennessee
0: yeah it, so that that is basically all that i'm dealing with family wedding postponement trying to stay sane And not eat myself to death.
2: (laughs) What have you been doing for self-care?
0: (sighs) I've been reading a lot. Good. Yeah. I'm behind. That's your heart space. So this is what happened. Last year, I, at the very end of the year, tracked every book I read. And I read on an iPad. And then I read some, like, I buy some print books, but mostly on an iPad. So I'm able to track, like, what I read. At the very end of the year, I tracked, I read 120 books last year oh my god and that was without monitoring or like having a goal or anything i just read a lot so this year i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna blow it out i'm gonna read 150 books and i was like totally paralyzed like for months because i set a goal um but i'm just the act of setting a goal prevented you from reaching it yeah because i did it naturally last year (laughs) and then this year i was like nope not (laughs) reading I don't know what happened to me but I've I've um, picked it back up in the last few weeks and I think I've read 30 books maybe so you're 35 binging, yeah. You could be
2: binging other things so this is
0: Yeah, I mean I have been watching Oh, oh no. recommendation. Oh. The Last Dance. 50 Day Fiancé. Oh. Michael Mike MJ? Yeah. It's good? Okay, like I want to name my kid like Michael Jordan Walton like right now. I loved it so much. I cried so much. I could not look away. Like, usually I'm, like, playing on my phone or, like, Doing something, out or like cleaning while I'm watching. TV. I'm gonna come over.
2: I'm gonna come over in two weeks, and Anna's gonna be wearing a 23 Bulls jersey, and the and I just I'm not gonna say anything.
0: And I'm big into like criticism, like TV criticism, and so like I pulled up like all these articles about it, but like I wasn't done yet, and I'm gonna rewatch it. I've already rewatched three of the episodes. I'm gonna rewatch it like totally, like start to finish again. Michael I, Jordan, I, if you are listening, uh your griddles would love to have you on. The- this is because I like don't have friends right now. Okay. Anyway, oh wow, updates? that's well, you know, you're my friend, but like we're right. not
2: like, you know, going anywhere. Yeah. Well, like... we're not working together. You said we would build a home office together, I know, I know. one day. Okay. Um, I have no updates. I've just been working. The primary Tennessee primaries tomorrow. So uh, picked up a yard sign for Keita Haynes. I'll be outside of polling my polling place from seven to nine tomorrow. I'm gonna bring my amp. I don't know what the <laughs> the amp level of the neighborhood uh, that is appropriate, but I'm I will be blasting music because that's just how I roll.
0: It's seven a.m. You're on record here saying that you're gonna play music loudly. Keita Haynes,
2: Winnie Washington, please vouch for me that that happened. I will take a photo. <laughs> I will post it on the on the Insta. Um, yeah, I've just been knee deep in the primary, trying to trying to wade through, uh, and then after the primary, it's election season from now until November. So. I'm just—I'm fingers crossed. I don't have a nervous breakdown this year.
0: I really hope oh, I God make knows. it through. Oh,
2: I just—I really don't want to pass out in Neyland Stadium for a second time and be <laughs> uh, carried out on a stretcher in front of the entire Tennessee Volunteer football team. So, high bar, low bar on that one.
0: Yeah. Good luck with all of that. So we're excited to have two wonderful. Uh, college organizers that are, that are leading the Be Better Belmont campaign um, to hold leaders at Belmont to account. Um, and they're super organized, super impressive, and um, we're really excited for y'all to hear our conversation with them. Okay, well, uh,
2: so we thought it was gonna be just Anna and I, this episode, but uh, I had the privilege and opportunity to meet some organizers at Belmont University. Uh, they are planning a campaign called Be Better Belmont. And um, I think this, this really rests well on the heels of our previous episode, uh, talking about institutions in the South that have uh, a history fraught with racism, uh and and belmont has a legacy of history, uh slavery as well so uh with that i would love to introduce our our guests tonight on grits uh we've got uh claire and safara would you like to go ahead and uh introduce yourselves
3: yeah um i'm claire i am the volunteer coordinator and also kind of a founding member member i guess of
1: um the Beaver better belmont campaign um and yeah i'm excited to be here Yeah, uh, I'm Safara. I'm the community outreach leader for Be Better Belmont. I joined just about over a month ago. And um, yeah, I'm really psyched to be here. Afton's great. We just (laughs) met her a few days ago. I didn't pay her to say that.
2: I did not pay her to (laughs) say that. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, so how, like, are you two students? Can you give us a little bit of background? I know Claire through um, some social work channels, but yeah, we'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, are, are you current students at Belmont? Um, your relationship with the school? Yeah,
3: um, we're both seniors, right? You're a senior, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, we're both seniors. I'm a social work major. Um, I had a very interesting journey through Belmont, but ended up in the social work program. Um, and kind of just jumped into this campaign. I had emailed Bob Fisher, a very, very um, scathing email.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> who's, and Claire, who's Bob Fisher for folks on the Oh call?
3: Yeah, um, Bob Fisher is the president of Belmont University. Um, so he's kind of our connection to the board, which has a lot of connections to of course, Civic, as we'll find out later. Um, but I emailed him and I just said some very um, choice words. And he said, okay, let's meet. And so we zoomed and I thought I got through to him. And then about a month later, I learned that a friend of ours who is another founding member of Be Be Better Belmont had the exact same conversation with him that went exactly nowhere. And it got me enraged and ready to organize. So here we are.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And Safar, what about you?
1: Yeah, I like I said, I joined about a month ago. Uh, but I'm also, yeah, current student. I uh, was a MA uh, music business and philosophy major. Um, I've had like different experiences throughout my career at Belmont. I'm also a super senior, so I've seen. I've been around for a little bit and um, different issues. I am a person of color. I'm a black woman, and I have experienced different things at Belmont that range from diversity issues to potential like, hate conversation issues and things that are genuinely allowed on campus. And I witnessed these things. And, you know, Belmont, historically, it's built on a, it's a mansion, but it was also owned by Adelicia Acklin and Isaac Franklin, who were, you know, slave traders, and they owned slaves in Louisiana. So it, all of these things culminated to me distrusting the institution I was at and through the um, death of George Floyd and this resurgence of BLM I just found myself really wanting to get involved and I think that it's institutions like Belmont who are so ingrained in Nashville and have been ingrained for so long those are the places we need to look to and in, in question.
0: Yeah I'd love to hear more about um, the campaign and kind of how that came about and um, the composition of the group that you're working with. Um, it's always inspiring to hear the story, the stories of how activism uh, comes organically from the problems that exist. So if you could just give some background on that, love to hear it.
1: Yeah, um, I'll start off clear if that's okay. Um... Yeah, I think the group itself is very organic. We fall into, it's about 30 current members that do a bulk of the organizing, and then there are about 15, like, direct leaders that do, like, community orientation things, like uh, myself, Claire does volunteer intake and gets in contact with a lot of people We have press and narrative and all these things, and we really fall into really specific niches that really drive us forward easily, which is really nice. All of us have very specific leadership skills that hone into our specific skills and we're able to like ebb and flow with each other and keep up with each other and, um, push the campaign as, as much as it can go. Um, Claire, if you want to add something, you definitely can.
3: Yeah, we definitely, we, try and kind of separate out into like four different groups just to not overwhelm everybody um and those four groups are community outreach and education uh research social media and communications and strategy which also falls under like narrative and all that um but really like we are all kind of intertwined like i am in the community outreach with my volunteer work but i also do a lot of research and like the narrative building Um, we have a narrative meeting later actually which is going to be fun um and it's really just like nothing i've ever seen before i don't think in like organizing and being a leader even on campus um which is really nice and like organic but it's just a lot of people who are just united under this one cause Mm -hmm. and a very like we are all so passionate and so ready to just get to work and like just constantly like you're getting slack notifications and stuff
1: I'll say that there's also there's such a mix of experience in our group as well. We have some people that are in our research team that are have been doing um, advocacy for about 10 years, um, 10 to 15. We have people that have worked with a bunch of diverse groups in Nashville, like with Workers Dignity and Surge and Song Nashville and all these different groups that really bring so much to our divestment campaign in like really gives us this like full spectrum
2: look at our community as the greater Nashville community. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I I played competitive soccer growing up and I know a few of my teammates ended up playing at Belmont. And I just, I wonder if you could from the perspective of someone who's tuning in to Grits because they love Anna and I very much <laughs> who may not know um What what was the catalyst for the campaign and what the demands are moving forward?
3: Yeah, I can kind of touch on the catalyst. Um, What really happened was with the Black Lives Matter movement kind of resurging after, you know, Maude Arbery, George Floyd, Verona Taylor's deaths, um, we kind of there was a petition started by my friend Ali Wine, who's also another social work major. And she just went, she was so disappointed. We were all disappointed because Belmont had just dead silent on this. Um, and we'd all been sent home already um, back in March. And then, you know, the pandemic happens and then this happens and you just want some kind of leadership from the leaders of your university. And we just didn't get that. Mm. And um, his first response to us <laughs> on mm. June 1st, <laughs> like, did not even say that he named enemies of Belmont and he said um and I quote at Belmont some of our previously declared enemies are ignorance poverty bigotry hate prejudice and violence racism black lives matter not even uttered in this email
2: wow. at, in any
3: like form at all in any capacity and, yeah and people were mad <laughs> rightfully so um and then a lot of people emailed him again. That's when I emailed him, and we got this canned response back. Again, nothing about Black Lives Matter, nothing about racism, and even just like very belittling and patronizing words. He said, though the words and expression are different from what you would have written, if you look again and give me the slightest benefit of the doubt, I think you'll see that we are on the same side. and it was angry we're not on the same side you're in bed with core civic a private prison industry um prison in general is not on my side
1: you know it's not on the side of black lives matter and but also the phrase give me the benefit of the doubt doesn't doesn't need to be uttered in this conversation no i'll give you the benefit of the doubt if you were like a 12 year old and
3: didn't know better but he knows better he's being educated Like, we are educating
1: him, and he's ignoring it. So if I may interject, yeah. um, we it was about the beginning of July, correct, Claire, that we started writing the Letters of Demands? Yeah, I think so. Maybe last week of June. Mm-hmm. So our Letters of demand um, was created with a really deep intentionality. We worked weeks on it, and we broke down our demands into five Ds. Um, and in each demand has like a goal to it and the demands go as define, disclose, divest, develop and deepen Um, and each goal in those demands um, is to establish anti-racism curriculum and administrative practices, transparency and governance um, with their financials um, in and out full divestment of the police, uh, private, excuse me
0: prison industrial
1: complex uh, which would be a direct call for Damon Henniger, the CEO of Core Civic, to be taken off of our board of trustees, and also um, board members Andrea Overby, Joe Russell, Marty Dickens, and John Ferguson to step down as well, as they are affiliated with Core Civic as well. And then um, hmm. we're calling for an enrichment of our curriculum uh, that's taught in classes and our Well Core, which are extra um, outside assignments that we take for like spiritual wellness and cultural wellness and things like that and we want a full to see a full structural change
0: what was the process for coming up with the demands within your group
1: um i think what we did initially is we knew that we wanted to take the approach of anti-racism that was very clear Mm -hmm. and we At first, what we did is we looked at Belmont as the institution and the grounds that it exists on. And we took apart the, we looked at how the actual history of the mansion is taught in the history of Adelicia Acklin and all these things. And we realized that, you know, they're they're, them being slave traders and that's literally how she got her money for the estate is never mentioned. Mm. It's not mentioned that Isaac Franklin, her husband, um, who passed away and that's how she received the money, marched um thousands of slaves from virginia to gallatin and he would literally he the private prison industry like affiliation with belmont started really in 1850 he Mm -hmm. owned private prisons um that are just about an hour outside of nashville that he would hold um enslaved people at he would separate the women from the like groups of men that they would come from He would traumatize the women by things I'm not going to repeat because it's very disturbing. And then he would um, separate them, put them through psychological torture, and then ship them down the river to his plantations in Louisiana. (sighs) That isn't taught at our school. And so we just what we really wanted to focus on is, like, what does that do to the community? What does that do to the student body? How is that um, shown in the financials? And so we really just broke it down to the finest core that we could and did it, but also offering help. So we didn't say these are my, our demands. So fix it and like figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. here are demands. And we are here as a coalition of community members, alumni, and current students who are willing to work with you to do it and achieve these things because we care about Belmont. We see these, uh, we see the potential of Belmont. So we, feel obligated to criticize it and like push it to where it could be essentially
0: I love that I love that it comes you know from a space of wanting to create a dialogue and wanting to work with Mm -hmm. them and it's so disappointing um unlike your friend Afton who's
2: scorched earth policy like I'm just like (laughs) pillage and burn
1: (laughs) I mean if we could listen I'm very into the whole Malcolm X if it's gotta burn it's gotta burn thing but Mm -hmm. we like to take the approach of hand holding first (laughs) and then you know gotta do what we gotta do
2: Well, if you could, uh, I think for our listeners, Anna and I really haven't, uh, we, we haven't recorded an episode on the private prison industry and its history in Tennessee. But I think especially for white women and I think privileged white women, police have always been a part of, you know, I think it's difficult for our demographic to think, especially older white women, what a world looks like without police and the reason private prisons exist. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about the intersection between abolition and and reparations um, and maybe unpack that a little bit for our audience.
3: Yeah, I mean, it runs deep in Nashville. Um, I mean, like you said it often on our call the other night, um, like Nashville is the hub for the private prison industry and Is therefore the hub for this reformed slavery. Um, really,
1: the birthplace of Core Civic is Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Its headquarters is in Brentwood, right? Yeah, in 1983, I think it
3: was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two people who actually funded a lot of Belmont's programs, a lot of Belmont's most famous programs, you know, the business school, Jack C. Massey School of Business. Jack C. Massey is one of the top funders of when Core Civic started.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: um, wow, so that. Yeah, it runs that deep where, and Jackie Massey is also, he's all over um, education, higher education in the South, especially. Um, I think he has buildings in like University of Alabama, like all of these different, you know, schools. He's mm-hmm. deeply embedded. Um, and just kind of on top of that, like these private prisons, like their profit um, despite what (laughs) Dr. Fisher will tell you, which is he'll he'll say, well, they want recidivism because they profit off of recidivism. But really, Mm -hmm. the whole business model is based off of getting more people imprisoned (laughs) in their, you know, like, they'll overflow their cells, they'll overcrowd, you know, um, their, like, lunch rooms. They won't serve, like, nutritious meals they won't provide health care because they don't have to because these people are not considered human beings Um, and poor
1: civic specifically um is a they just they go back on their work quite often and there's records and records and records of it starting uh back in 1998 when there was the one of the first um uh private prison like uprising that happened in oklahoma And it turned out that um, uh, they were all private prisons at that time were reporting that they're giving adequate medical attention and that they're giving adequate, like, bedding and, like, all of these things. And it turned out that 40% of them were incorrect. 40% Mm -hmm. of the positive reports they were putting in were incorrect, Core civic being a huge, huge fault at that. Um, Also, in Nashville, just, I believe it was about five years ago, I want to say it was about 2015, there was a huge outbreak, outbreak of scabies in um, core civic contracted jails in, in, in Davidson County. And there were at least 100 people that got affected by it and that also did, transferred from inmates, but also transferred to the people that were, like, uh, judges and people that were court officials that were, like, in those buildings. It transferred to them as well. So they – and even, like, currently during the pandemic – Damon Hinneger and the people of like the Geo Group and like all of these people—they were like, "Oh, we're giving adequate um, sanitary supplies and CDC protocol and all of these things." Then, in two days, Damon Heninger was asked, "Hey, did you know that there were detainees in your prison that got tear gas in a closed cell?" And he said, "No." Mm-hmm. So it's just repeat after repeat after repeat of these civil atrocities that are happening to our communities that are incarcerated.
2: I do yeah, it's been I think our audience especially, I think their intersection with understanding abolition and you know, defunding police and not criminal justice reform, but like total crumbling of our systems to build better ones, and I just, I think that's a theme, especially in in our recordings, is that we want to make sure that we're always pushing new ways to think of systems and new narratives that enable more progress, um, especially when you are trying to reform institutions like Belmont, and one of the questions I had for y'all, I, on the previous episode, we interviewed a peer of mine who had attended high school with, with me, and I asked him, do you do you think these institutions can be reformed because the legacy of racism is as you said is so embedded and entrenched and I just wonder and I just I told Anna before I we called you that I I really admire your group because I think for me uh, trying you know spending my time and energy to reform an institution like Belmont I mean for me it, in my mind like and once again I don't go there but I'm like wow it seems it seems very tough
1: yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit on it. Claire, you can chime in whenever you want. I actually had this conversation uh, yesterday at the People's Assembly that's hosted by the People's Budget, Nashville's People's Budget. I highly recommend going, they're great. Um, but it's also a coalition of national nonprofits. We were talking about the education system as a whole. And the same question got asked, can there be a reform of the education system? Or can you even say that the education system was built for everybody? And that i think that transfers in the same thing that you're asking and correct me if i'm wrong but is there a way is there a way to reform prisons and not abolish them essentially or anything in that in that notion and you have to look at the history of the, the prison industrial complex and incarceration in general it was not built to be rehabilitated it was not built to put people back into the community or to be active members in the community it was built for labor It was built to incarcerate a specific type of person, and it was meant to dehumanize and criminalize people and criminalize poverty and and criminalize literally anything you can to make sure that people do not succeed and become active members in, in the community. And so when we're embedded with this information for generations and generations, we see that the only viable answer to anyone doing something wrong or somebody acting a specific way is punishment as opposed to restorative actions or restorative and rehabilitative actions. And I think that's really what you have to start at. And when you, like, go outside, oh, let's take Brentwood. Let's, like, juxtaposite, juxtapos- whatever, I'm sorry. <laughs> let's just take, <laughs> let's, let's compare uh, Brentwood and North Nashville. North Nashville, the 37208 zip code is some of the heavily policed and highest incarceration rates in the nation. Brentwood, Tennessee, is predominantly white. It's very, very, like, uh, Baptist evangelical, and it's, like, incredibly wealthy. And there is hardly police action that's there. Besides, like, highway patrol, anyone who's gone to Brentwood knows you're going to get a ticket on Franklin Pike. Like, you just know if you're you're speeding, you're probably going to get a ticket. But white... Well, when you say like white middle class or white people that live in these suburbs, they already know what it looks like to not have a police force around. Right. They already know mm-hmm. what abolition looks like because they're not there. And so when you extend community knowledge and say, hey, why is that group of people on the other side of town heavily policed when they want the same respect, dignity, community outreach as we do?
2: I think it was, I saw a tweet from AOC that read, uh, do you know what defunding police looks like? It looks like the suburbs.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, my, and my whole thing it is. It looks like Belmont University, honestly. <laughs> it looks like that area.
2: Right. Yeah, it does. And my whole thing is, you know, I just, why are privileged white folks dictating the, the, the communities that are most impacted should always be leading the policy uh, and political conversations and I just it strikes me as just so I, I just get disgusted at seeing white folks who have never been policed who've never been people of color living in an area in the zip code you described who are who, who dictate what the strategy should be to defund police or you know abolition and so I just it's it's really shocking to me sometimes when I hear you know people I grew up with who grew up very privileged like well I think we should do this and I'm like okay well that's your opinion but like you've never lived you, you don't have the experience you're white like you don't mm-hmm. and I think a lot of I, I don't want to generalize but I think a lot of folks that listen to our our podcast like they're they really tune in because they want to they appreciate the can the candor that Anna and I mm-hmm. use in these conversations
0: about race especially and yeah. I, I do I heard- oh sorry No, go ahead, Anna. I was just gonna say, um, I do think it's important though, like kind of what you were just saying is more about like the individual experience of, you know, driving down a certain road or being in a certain place. And it's only one little snippet um, and one data point. But um, I think it's important to think about where the institutions came from and then within those Mm -hmm. institutions, the goals that they're going for. So you're right, like our justice, our criminal justice system is completely punitive and little of anything else and i think that the people who are most affected should be involved in those conversations and we should be reassessing not only the institutions like i I think when we say when we say things like defund the police or um dismantle prisons um or prison abolition it's really like trying to dismantle the organization or the institution or the organization to reorient it towards other goals right and so uh, yeah i think that's like the the focus on the goals um like what what are the results that we want of this and making sure that we're centering like that we're combating dehumanization um
1: and that's honestly that's part of um our campaign we do a lot of education because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people now are starting to get involved, and they don't—they never have, or they don't have. Everyone's starting at different points,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: so what we try to do is we try to define these specific things. And that we're like, hey, if Belmont's not going to define its history and it's not going to define like what anti-racism actually is, and like even say the word racism because that still hasn't been done yet, like literally. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, it's all right. Let's assess that. Um, We only have a 4% diversity rate. So let's go ahead and put in the fact that 96% of the student body is white. And let's go ahead and factor in that a lot of them come from white privileged families. So like their starting basis is like all over the place. So yeah, I think education is huge. And then centering those voices of people who have been affected as well and somebody uh we had a zoom call with a, a local organizer his name is tristan he works with workers dignity and a lot of other people and had a hand in Vanderbilt um, becoming uh more divested from uh their private prison as well and um he was saying that the people that you speak to in the community they have the expertise like the people that are affected by um incarceral systems they are the experts and you we as a community when we enter these advocacy areas and we or, uh, step into these organizing positions we have to listen to them we have to uplift them and make them a focal point of like experience and knowledge and hold them not as just like a token but also like be there
0: yeah
3: yeah and I think we're seeing that in like like Cory Bush in Missouri mm-hmm. just won her primary like mm-hmm. and like she's just a member of the community who believes in the community, right? Like, she... um, And I think we're just seeing this, like, surge, I guess, of people who want to see change and want to see how that could happen, and I think that we can kind of, like, own the narrative and say, well, you need to listen to this group of people, Mm -hmm. Um, the people that, you know, Cori Bush represents and all these other, you know, like, AOC represented and, like, it represents um, and, like, you know what's what's his name Justin Jones I think mm-hmm. yeah at the plaza mm-hmm. yeah like Justin Jones like has like a voice and he's a he listens to people um, and I think that like we just need to start turning away and I think we are starting to turn away you know obviously again Corey Bush just won that primary in Missouri and like we're kind of starting to like turn that knob away from mm-hmm. this like establishment people who
1: are so separated and so when we have people like Keita Haynes running, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, also is the, a harsh victim of the incarceral system mm-hmm. because she was uh, judged guilty when she was innocent, all of these things, mm-hmm. but also came back, turned the narrative around and said, hey, I'm so worth giving, getting mm-hmm. a law degree and I can be, I'm still a community member and I represent people who have been, their voices have been taken away for years and years and years. And I know that I can make structural change to Nashville for the greater good of these marginalized people. And that's like really incredible to see, especially in the political climate of Nashville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: One, one final question I have for y'all and and we, Anna, so just some background. I've had, I've always worked remotely, so you know, and I, I have a job, and, and so the impact of COVID uh, really, besides emotionally, hasn't hasn't really materially affected me. Um, but Anna had to reschedule her wedding. You two are college students, in a pandemic, um, and for those of you who don't know, the last presidential debate will be at Belmont this fall, and so I just wonder, as college students in this moment in time, and I, I imagine. A century from now when we're living in space that someone may they they turn on the old grits and they're like wow these ancient ladies and anna they they, they <laughs> captured conversations but like i really as as storytellers and as women who are seeking progressive change in this moment in a pandemic uh in in the biggest election of your lifetime like what does this campaign mean to you um and what do you want the fall to look like, you know, if the campaign ends or whatever the end of the campaign is?
3: Yeah. um, I mean, this is the second time really, that I know of at least, you know, who knows how many more people rose up like this, but in 2018, when um, Damon Henninger joined the board, um, students organized and rose up and ultimately, you know, they lost that battle. Um, And so I think that, the pandemic like I think people are bored and they're signing up to volunteer like all of these organizations ACLU Planned Parenthood Indivisible I think are seeing like the surge of volunteers because people are just like I just want to like make phone calls or like text bank or do something in community with others and then that coupled with this resurgence of Black Lives Matter Belmont's lack of response I think we are just have this perfect you know air quotes storm of people are mad and they want something to be mad about and they have a right to be mad about this and finally like their attention is on us Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are pissed off that belmont has been trying to get us to go go back in the middle of a pandemic and they pushed it back to september now our start date But I think a lot of people are really mad that they're still doing the debate. And especially after Notre Dame canceled the debate,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: they're seeing themselves as totally separated from admin. Um, We are seeing ourselves just as students, totally separated from admin. We are just like a cash prize to them. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: We are not human beings. And I think that that is such like, the energy that we need, and we're, that's, like, why education is such a big part of our campaign, because we want these people to be feel empowered. We just did an yeah. email campaign where people emailed Bob Fisher and got, honestly, a really dud response back, um, and I think that that made people
1: angry and ready to get involved and fight for this, and, and I'll add to that a little bit, Claire, that this separation locationally like being in a pandemic when you try to like uprise I, I feel that when you try to uprise at a, on a campus you feel those eyes on you a lot whether it be through the staff or your fellow students like all these things and so when you have the power in your own home to like even if you're just like cyberbullying Bob Fisher if you want to like if you have the autonomy in your own home to make change like we all I think Three of us have met in person, like us on the campaign, or on the yeah on the divestment campaign. We've I think three or four of us have met in person in the last two months. And yeah. So when we the other
3: day, They were like, I forgot that you guys had bodies.
1: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> Zoom calls, but we have built this thing that we're so proud of and that we're seeing so much movement on from the comfort of my like I'm literally sitting in my living room like. We are able to, but it doesn't take away from organizing in in person. If anything, it gives me more drive because I I need to be present in these, like, calls. I need to be present in my emails and, like, all these things and involving people because it's harder virtually. Like, all of this has a lot of intentionality behind it as well.
2: Mm Mm-hmm so i guess um we're we're nearing the end here how do how do folks follow the campaign and if they want to reach out to you personally how, how would they do that
3: yeah
1: uh oh sorry claire go
3: ahead yeah um well we're on instagram twitter facebook um just look up be better belmont you'll find us um our letter of demands so we have a link tree in all of those bios um that you can go to to sign our letter of demands. see our responses to dr fisher um, and, like, all this information, um, some stuff about John Lewis, who just passed away, um, all the anti-racy work, anti, anti-racy, anti-racist anti <laughs> work um, that we're doing,
1: and, um, and we have different um, collaborative things, too. We asked, mm-hmm. in the very beginning, um, we asked, like, people, because it's a music business school, it's a lot of musicians and everything, we asked people to send in, like, their own, like, prison songs, where it's, like, divestment almost like freedom songs to send in that we post on our instagram stories and we're working on different like belmont me projects where people get to send in their stories and then you can like invite them to do that and things like that so just our instagram definitely has the most um like visual attraction so if you want to see infographs and different definitions and things like that definitely hit us up on there as well
3: Yeah, absolutely. And if you sign the letter of demands and say I want and there's a little checkbox you can check um, that says I want to be involved with Be Better Belmont. If you check that, you'll receive an email from me.
2: Oh, (laughs) finally.
3: (laughs) (laughs) took us a while to get that working, but I figured out mail merge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's your best. It's your best organizing friend. Um, Oh, yeah. I've, I've just been so impressed with all of you. And I I not that I'm an elder, but I've run a lot of campaigns in Tennessee and I just, I'm really grateful that y'all reached out. We were able to connect and anything that Anna and I can do to support Mm -hmm. this effort. That's, you know, we we wanted to invite you here to to tell the story of the campaign and and your efforts, but also, uh, you know, the world is dramatically changing. And this is a moment that I hope will radicalize people in so many ways. And I just, as I told y'all on the call, On Monday that I you are in a in a moment, a historic moment in time um, being at the epicenter of white supremacy in Tennessee, symbolic for so many institutions that so many people have fought um, to preserve and to abolish uh, (laughs) that that I'm just I'm incredibly grateful for for both of you and, and this campaign.
1: Yeah, thank thank you you. so much for the invitation. We really appreciate it. And thank you for extending so much of your time to our campaign and really believing in us because it feels, you know, having people that have been in the game for a minute, uh, it feels really nice to have that support and know that there is, like, people rooting for us and, like, advising us and things like that. Yeah, I'm going to
2: get – are you tearing up over there? Is it hot? (laughs) I think it's hot in this closet.
0: (laughs) 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 Can't yeah thank you so much for being on we'll put all your information in the show notes um and we wish you the best of luck uh creating change lasting change and uh really sticking it to them so good job guys we're proud of you, yeah, thanks,
1: oh, thank, you so thank you so much
2: well did you learn anything new from
0: them i did i was actually like I wouldn't have been able to do that, like, where they had, like, the committees and the different areas. Uh, it's called it's a
2: snowflake model, Anna, oh. and it's from Marshall Gans and Obama, Obama 08. Um, I should have
0: known. It's an, or, it's an organizing
2: thing. Um, I'm
0: not an organizer, so. I
2: know, you're our policy guru. You're The policies are, I'm Diane Toinette. <laughs> oh, my God, two-year anniversary of Diane Toinette, oh. August 2nd posted on the gram but i didn't wear the wig um sometimes i wear it alone
0: did you i thought it was rented no you got one you bought one well long story may short
2: i did not steal it uh performance studios if you're listening i've sent you multiple emails asking when i can return it um they were they never got back to me and then the pandemic happened so i'm just waiting on to it Okay, sorry I didn't mean to push yeah, you. Yeah, wow. Okay. I'm going to get a cease and desist letter from the Studios. Um we are demanding the Marie Antoinette wig. No, I will bring it back. Like it's it's happening. It's just I they've been dealing with a lot. I've been dealing with a lot. So.
0: Great. All what right. Are you, what are you grateful for? Uh,
2: what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for Keita Haynes. Awesome. It's been I haven't been excited about a candidate since Bernie. Bernie's presidential both in 2016 2020 uh and Keita I'm, I'm so grateful that she ran and that we have candidates like her who are creating new narratives and bringing in new constituencies I told Chris today that I have not identified one person I know who is posting about Kita and she's reposting on Instagram and there's probably 200 you know you click through the stories and i mm-hmm. i don't know any of the people so she's clearly reached a constituency that is energized and excited to to be part of her campaign and to uplift her as a candidate so and even if she loses uh i i hope she'll run in 2022 and i think on the heels of of Cory Bush's win who who Claire uh intimated about the the she was a black woman a, a organizer in Missouri took on an incumbent a a familial dynasty like Cooper and I just think that the writing's on the wall that in the next couple years the squad will grow and we will see more women of color in Congress and in local government and hopefully state government and I I can't wait for that moment so I'm grateful I'm hopeful which is weird because as an electoralist you're always pessimistic but here I am what are you grateful for
0: yeah um I don't know. Anna. I have to think about <laughs> Anna. Michael Jordan! I thought about it. Oh, I am grateful for Michael Jordan, but no, I, that's just escapism. Um, <laughs> okay. I am grateful for, mm, it's hard to explain, but okay, I don't know if this is just the bubble that I'm in, but the conspiracy theories are rampant. QAnon? Like, Oh, just like everything. Just can like, we do
2: can we do an episode on QAnon?
0: Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's just like I like feel like so many people are just so out of touch with reality, or that like there's not a common understanding of like what reality is. And getting to the grateful part, <laughs> I have had some really good conversations in the last week with like family members, and friends that like. Get me out of that bubble of like mm. being like, oh my gosh, am I the only like normal one or like only like one that's not bamboozled by this like headline on you know that they see on Facebook and i was just like talking to you know family members and stuff and i'm like oh yeah like we're all still normal like the world is weird right now and like we are living through like a very important historical moment in like three or four different ways <laughs> yeah and that's why people like believe these weird things and it's not actually that unusual in like history and so it's like getting the context on that sure I can understand that like in my own mind but actually living like day-to-day life like normally with like normal people <laughs> I feel like I'm being'm I'm, I'm being too like harsh on people but like why is everyone believing like conspiracy because theories the re- right because now? the world because our empire is crumbling
2: our empire is in decline they can't handle it and if you are privileged and you are uh, I mean covid's hitting bars and things but like
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're you're not you're not online trying to file for unemployment. Your reality is very different than the realities, the lived realities of folks who are who are on the front lines of COVID-19. So I just I, I hear you. And the conspiratorial thinking is just there's so much to unpack there. And I can't wait. Like, that's a whole other episode because I've got you know the QAnon piece and just Tom mm-hmm. Hanks is a pedophile and he's harvesting child organs and. And, and I've, Trump I've rules the world, it. and there's gonna be a reckoning. It's like, oh my god. Yeah.
0: Every public space I've gone in the last like three months, someone has randomly brought up like Ellen DeGeneres is like on house arrest, and like normal people that like I normally interact with, like my hairdresser and like stuff like that, and I'm like, I think they're doing it because like everything is so weird right now that it's just it's like, the only a way conversation. It's, it's topic. the only way people can make sense of it. It's yeah. the only people can make sense of
2: it if they truly believe it. If they're right. just if
0: they're just talking like. Oh, Ellen
2: DeGeneres is. I a think it's file. more like
0: pop culture, like oh, this is like funny or like. Yeah, I don't but then know. people go down the know. slope. Like I had to stage a yeah. QAnon
2: intervention this week.
0: I can't wait to hear. It
2: It's, about that sho- Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna have a whole episode, okay, yeah, one yeah. by Chris, because he is an expert on QAnon. I don't know why I don't. Okay. Yeah. No, that would be good. And just um, how folks can walk because I guarantee, especially as we head into holiday season, our audience will need the tools to deal with relatives and friends that are sliding down the conspiratorial hole back I mean yeah no that's okay. like,
0: that's like like as and I and I've realized I've been withdrawing and like the depression stuff that I talked about at the beginning and so I have smaller and smaller amounts capacity of social to deal it, right? yeah capacity to deal with it and and social interactions to where like they're only these weird things and I'm like why is everyone doing this and like, you're like everyone...
2: wait Tom Hanks and Ellen DeGeneres live on a farm and they're harvesting child organs in Mexico <laughs> Did I get that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, but I am grateful for normal conversations, <laughs> not surface levels, not like not like we're making this dish or whatever, but like actually talking about like substantive things going on in the world that are based in reality. Like <laughs> and and we have a presidential election like pretty soon and it's just like let's let's stay grounded, guys. Like let's get back in touch with like the truth. <laughs> let's get back
2: into the truth 2020 wait what did
0: you just say yeah let's get
2: back to the truth let's get back to the truth 2020 okay well Mm -hmm. we're gonna get the bumper stickers out so here's what we're gonna do we will order some swag which we always say we do we're not but in theory we would order some swag let's get back (laughs) to the truth 2020 and we all show up at belmont for the presidential debate
0: yeah i'm down
2: and you have to wear something pineapple themed
0: I can do it. Oh, that reminds me, I have your pineapple mask that my yeah, mom, your mom bought us a mask. Does it fit? Oh. You said they were Yeah, she got us um, my mom bought us pineapple masks. They're neon and uh, pink and they are kid size because we're small.
2: <laughs> so if I need to go to a foam club in Panama City Beach. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, I wore I- my I wore mine like all around town. <laughs> um yeah okay it's, it's well, a good look i'm excited it fits to... me i will say i have a small head though
2: you have a small head and small fingers mm-hmm. i think i have chonky knuckles and every time <laughs> i put my hand next to yours i'm inf- i feel inferior
0: <sighs> okay this is like rest. wow okay.
2: okay um follow us on the gram thank you oh oh no no we recorded the holler stuff thank you to the holler <laughs> for picking us up uh we're grateful and I go-
0: <laughs> keep it gritty okay bye. bye thank you to our griddles and our family at the Tennessee of Holler podcast network
2: be sure to check out the other podcasters in the network who are doing the Lord's work in the state of Tennessee find the good stuff at www.tmholler.com and be sure to subscribe and support the Holler while you're there
0: Follow the Holler to keep up with what's going on here in the state at the TN Holler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: And follow Grit at Grit's Podcast. Keep it gritty.
0: Bye.